All right, all right, all right. <laughs> it's always wonderful to see you greet each other and, and connect, but... <laughs> yeah, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Jeff Heck. I've attended church here for a number of years, and my wife and I raised our children in this church, and... Amazing, amazing. God is so good. And it really is, it really is an amazing, and I would hope, I would hope every person feels this way about their church, where God's placed them. It really is an amazing thing to be given the gift of family beyond natural blood family, but by the blood of Jesus, that you can know and be known by help and be helped by, uh, it's, it's absolutely an amazing thing. And I, I am so grateful God has allowed Debbie and me to be a part of this church. So thank you, Lord. <clears throat> and thank you guys for, for connecting here today. And um, I just, there are some things I, I, I want to and need to do before we get into the depth of the word uh, because I believe that there's been something that God has been sharing with me um, over the course of, of many months, and I got more understanding. It took a while for me to really grasp, and I still don't have the full understanding, but really grasp more of what God was revealing to me because of what I've, I've been going through, what we've all been going through. But before we, we go to that, I just want to say you know, we, we are incredibly blessed here. God has done just awesome things. Uh, it's just like this building. When you look at this building, it is beautiful and it is functional and it is a great blessing, but this place was a hole. And some of you are sitting here saying, how could that be? Absolutely was. This place was a scary place to be in. Bob's like, yeah. The first time we saw this place, it was in winter. There was more ice and snow inside this building than there was outside. And it was, it was basically left to be abandoned. And God did this. But you know what? God did this through the people here. And that's what God does. God does amazing things, but he uses people. And, and these past number of weeks, five weeks or so, that, that um, I've been, I have been given the gift to be able to recover without feeling like I need to get back. And as I watch the messages from Judy and, and Dave Parker Jr. and uh, Mark Kohlbrenner and Jeremy and... You know, it's, it's been, and Dennis Sandberg, these messages have been amazing. I have sat and watched these and been encouraged and challenged. I've been informed and instructed. And at the same time, when all was said and done, and I knew that this, this Sunday was coming, where I was going to be back up here, I started to get really nervous again really nervous like it used to be 
And, and part of it is because it's, it's not something that I've been doing for a while, but it's also because, not in a bad way, but in a really God way, I feel the responsibility of being able to deliver the word of God on the same level that it has been delivered for the last five weeks. Because the word of God has gone forth. And it has presented an opportunity for us to know God for us to grow in God, for us to become what God has for us to become and empower and impart to us what we need to be able to do what God has for us to do. And so I just, I just want us to thank God for those that were willing to step up and be used by God to bring the message of God to his people. Let's just give them a thanks. Thank you, Lord. And it's, you know what, it's not that way in every church, and you may not realize that, but God, God has, has made sure that there is a provision here every time. And, and speaking of that, I just want to let you know that in June, we are going to be having with us Stuart Winograd. Uh, he'll be sharing with us what, what they have been doing in the Ukraine uh, and uh, how you've been a part of that, and, and, and a message for the moment. So that's going to be a, a great time together. Uh, but this morning, I'm going to take a little time, which I don't usually do, to kind of inform you of what's happened. Uh, but before we do, I just want to pray, because I, I believe God has something to, to impart to you, to download to you today, that would, would not only change your life, but it would have the potential and power and the precision to be able to be used by you to impart and impact other people's lives. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for all you do in our lives. Father, I am so grateful for the blessing of your presence and your provision and your plan and your people that you have, have uh, put in Debbie's in my life. And, Father, we thank you today for your word. Your word is so important. It's what you spoke that created everything seen and unseen, and your word still creates. And today, Father, as, as we look at your word, we thank you that your word won't return void, but it will accomplish that which you sent it forth to accomplish and prosper in the way it, it should go, that your word would bring life and health, freedom, transformation. Father, we thank you today for what you're going to do in our lives and through our lives. And Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to speak your word to the people you so love. Father, help me do it with clarity, with humility, with a <clears throat> preciseness that, Father, would cause your word to come alive in each one of us. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. So, um, before I get to me, we've been going through for, what, two, two years, two and a half years, some pretty challenging times. Is that right? Or am I the only one that's been going through this? <laughs> Good, I'm not alone. Uh, and And... You know, I don't know about you, but I have historically, when going through difficult times, one of my first questions is why, and I've never had that question answered by God, 
because it doesn't make any difference. We've got to go through it. We've got to choose to go through it. Now, we can, we can choose to camp in the middle of it, but then you're just going to stay there, and nobody wants to do that. But as we're going through it, you know, I'm, I'm wondering why, why, why are all these things going on? And God doesn't focus on the problem. He, he presents us with promises because that's how we overcome. If we're just looking at the problems, how many of you know if you have a problem out here and the closer you bring it, the more you concentrate on it, the more it appears to be overwhelming? And, and we shouldn't be doing that. So we need to look beyond the problem to the promise. And so God will give us these great and precious promises, the Bible says, that we can escape the corruption in this world and be partakers of the divine life. That's how we, we become what God has for us to become. We experience the abundant life that God gave his son to make available to us that we have to choose to adjust so that we are able to receive it. We recognize it and receive it. But the second question I always have when things are going bad, when's this going to be over? Right? Anybody else there? You know, I'm, I'm, are we there yet? Come on, God, are we there yet? And, and I'm always looking for an end to it. But I read in the Bible that things are not going to get easier. They're going to get more difficult. And you might say, well, I, I'm, I'm not really glad I came this morning because that's not what I want to hear. But understand this. God tells us things not to scare us, but to prepare us. And he's, he's let us know in the word that, that the world's going to get darker. It's going to get more wicked, more evil than ever before. But we don't have to be afraid of that because we're in this world, not of this world. And in the midst of this, if... Little word, big implication. If we choose to grow near to God, to trust God, to rely on God, to develop our relationship with God, then we're going to grow stronger in the midst of whatever's going on. And as it gets more difficult, we become stronger. So that we don't have to fear anything that comes on the horizon. We're never going to have to be afraid because we know that God has always made a provision that caused us to be overwhelmingly more than conquerors in all things. But it's not an automatic. It's by choice. What are we going to apply ourselves to? All right. So with that in mind, we've been going through all this. And then on top of that, we all have our individual struggles that we're going through. And one of the things that I'm noticing, and I'm sure you're noticing too, is it almost seems like somebody gets through a situation or you get through a situation and another one's right there. I remember when I felt like I had breathing room between the waves of challenges that were coming. But that's gotten narrower and narrower, shorter and shorter to the point where it's just seeming like one after another. And... and for us, <clears throat> for me, um, many of you know that I just had back surgery, uh, but this started seven months ago where something happened and I didn't know what had happened and I went to the emergency room and I, I, I was in such debilitating pain, I had to go to the emergency room and the, the uh, doctor there scared me. 
And I don't get scared too often, but I, I fear trying to grip my heart because he said to me, we've called a neurosurgeon. He's not going to operate today, but you have to see him tomorrow. How many of you know that's not the news you're looking for, right? And I, I get this news and I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And that was during the time that Debbie couldn't even be in the hospital with me. And so I'm getting this information on my own. I'm thinking, how am I going to share this with Deb? And so we're, we're on a new course, something we've never, ever experienced before. I, I didn't even know what a neurosurgeon was. And so we found one and started to go through the procedures of what they said that needed to be done with my back for me to be able to function. And we did what they said, and it gave some relief for a while. And for those of you that have had back pain, I'm sorry I haven't prayed for you more. I understand now like never before what you have dealt with. But uh, we ended up coming to the place where we knew we couldn't continue to do what we were doing because it wasn't fixing the problem. It was just covering up the results of the problem, the pain. And so we knew that we had to eventually have surgery. Now, during this whole time, I want you to know I am believing God, Debbie and I are believing God for a healing, for a miracle, because we know God's a miracle-working God. But we also know that there's a limitation in, in us of what we can endure. Now, we know God's grace is sufficient, but at times, we want a miracle, and God wants to bring healing. Okay, what's the difference? A miracle is instantaneous. Healing is a process. And many times, we want God to do it the way we want, we wanted a process, a very short, quick process that nobody has to do anything. All of a sudden, we wake up and, surprise, it's all gone. Well, that didn't happen. And so we, we, we knew, uh, we had a, an assurance in our heart that we were going the right direction. We needed to pursue what the doctors could do. How many of you know Jesus affirmed in his time medical uh, medications that people believed in? Remember when Jesus made spit and put it on the men's eye, the blind men's eyes? Do you know that, that spit in that time, they had volumes and volumes, medical volumes, on the medicinal benefits of spit? Now, we all know mom's spit is supernatural, right? I've not seen too many people when dads are like, come here. But, but moms, they lean into it. And so Jesus, Jesus was affirming the fact that this that they had faith in could be used but trusting in God. And so there was a, a, a collaboration between what they had believed and trusting God. And so um, we were trusting God. We were believing God. And, and now we knew we need to do something else, and, and surgery was that. And when we got the report of what the surgery was going to entail, it was incredibly invasive. And God in his goodness, my wife in her patience, our son in his wisdom overcame my resistance to getting a second opinion. Because sometimes, I'm just going to be transparent, I can be stubborn. 
What are you laughing at? You're laughing because we can all be stubborn, right? And I was resistant. I'm, here I am. I'm saying, you know, yeah, God, believe God brought me to this doctor and I'm trusting him. And, and, you know, God can progressively bring us along a path and it may not end where we think it's ended. And I wanted to say this, this doctor and this team were where, where it was going to end. And, and, and yet God had provided before we ever knew it, our son who lives in Atlanta, works in Chicago, works for a company that buys up medical groups. And he called some of the people in some of the groups that the company had purchased and said, if you were in New York between uh, Albany and Rochester, who would you have as a neurosurgeon? And uh, these, these people in the know in the industry said, oh, there's a doc doctor at SOS in Syracuse. That's the only one I'd go to. Now, if you've gone to other ones, that's great because that may be what God had for you, but this is what God had for me and I didn't even know it. And I was resistant to it. And I want you to understand we can all become resistant to things even if it's God and think we know, but not be humble enough to be teachable and adjustable. And so Debbie got uh, an appointment. We walked in and I... I <laughs> Oh. we're sitting there and, and the doctor walks in and I'm thinking, oh, this is the guy that's going to take down the information, make sure all the medications are up to date and that kind of stuff. And he says, hi, I'm doctor. And I went, because the kid didn't look like he could drive. <laughs> but I have to tell you, more and more I'm meeting people that are in high-powered positions that are younger than I expect. But that's not any change in me, that's a change in them. But he introduced himself and he said, look, Mr. Heck, I've looked over all your, your uh, films, all the, the CT, the MRIs, the X-rays, and I've seen what uh, your, uh, the other uh, surgeon feels needs to be done. And he said, um, I am confident that I can take care of everything you're dealing with without such an invasive surgery. All of a sudden I went, what? Because they, they had said they were gonna have to put in titanium rings and fuse some vertebra and put in titanium rods in my back and go through my stomach and I would be three months in a body brace and a year in healing. And I'm I'm telling you, I was willing to do that because of what was going on. But this, this doctor that was a provision of God said, I, I, I don't believe you need all the hardware. I believe that what, what we can do is go through your back. We can cut out a piece of your vertebra. We can remove the, the bone spurs. We can remove the blown discs. We can get your leg to work again because my leg wasn't working. That's why Jeremy and, and Pastor Gabe were helping me up the stairs. That's why we kind of adjusted the services so you guys could greet and not watch me try and make my way up Mount Everest. And, and so he said, I, I, we can get your leg to work immediately after surgery. You'll be up and walking. Your pain will be greatly decreased. And you only have six weeks that you'll have to be 
very aware of what you're doing. Deal. <laughs> and, and the first surgeon had said, I, we can't do this until June. This guy said, Mr. Heck, because of what's happening in your spinal cord and your back, every minute we don't take care of this, you're doing more damage. So I'm going to get you in in April. And I was like, that sounds great. And, and so they ended up scheduling it. We went in. It worked just the way he said. Moments after the surgery, after I was out of, re, uh, of recovery, I was walking. My leg felt normal again. The pain had decreased. And uh, the pain that I had was not no joke, but I knew that it was healing pain. How many of you know there's a difference in pain? Not how it feels, but what's happening. Before, it was not beneficial pain. It was destructive pain. The pain was indicating that there was something going on that was not good. After the surgery, there was pain going on, but it was pain that was bringing healing. And I was so grateful for that, and it's continued to go that way, and, and we are, are thanking God for his ability in this doctor and all that, that God has done through this doctor, but we know that the only healer is God. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals us. Whether he uses spit, whether he uses surgery, Whatever he uses, we have to be willing to let God be God. And, and many times we have preconceived ideas of, well, I, I don't want this to happen. Well, I didn't want surgery to happen, but I'm going to tell you something. Throughout this process of surgery and, and all these different things, I have had more opportunity to pray with people that I would never have been able to pray with than ever before. And I will tell you, people are hungry. They are needing somebody to care about them, to show them that they're valuable, that what they're doing is beneficial and acknowledged. And so it was amazing because prayed for the doctor. He was grateful, prayed for his staff, prayed for the nurses and, and the attendants and the assistants in the hospital that were working with me. And it was, it was a gift in the midst of all of that. God was having his way. And he can have his way in the midst of the most trying situations if we'll just be available. Just be willing. Just realize that person that is right across from you, no matter who they are, they need to know. They long to know that they're valuable, that they're cared about. Whether it's a nurse, a doctor, a checkout person, the guy that's in the parking lot pushing the carts back in, there's nowhere you can go that somebody doesn't need to know that, doesn't need to be told that, and we're the ones to do it. Because you know who loves them and cares about them more than anyone else? 
That's right, God does. And we're supposed to be his ambassadors. And so getting back to this, we went through this really difficult time, and I'm saying, God, what's going on? You know, it's one thing. Oh, yeah, and then two weeks after the surgery, I woke up, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know what I did to my back. I think I hurt myself. And then I realized it wasn't my back, it was kidney stones. And it was, again, this incredible challenge. But with this amazing challenge that I didn't want and I, I didn't deserve it. <laughs> but it happened. And again, had this amazing time of being able to pray for all the people that were taking care of me. And just watch them weep. Because somebody cared. And they found out that God cared. And, and I did not get a chance to pray the prayer of salvation with any of them, but I know every one of them was impacted. And it's not my place to close the deal. The Bible says, you know, one waters, one sows, but God gives the increase. If we'll just be faithful in sowing God's love, and watering that love with more love and kindness, God will bring that to a close where there'll be a harvest. And the harvest is ripe. And we need to be available to God for the harvest in the days that we live in. Because I will tell you this, the Bible says that as you sow, what will happen? You'll reap, right? And some of you have unsaved relatives that you want them saved, but they may not be willing to listen to you. And it's not a lost cause because, because the Bible says, what I sow, I'll reap. If I start sowing seeds of God's love and God's truth and God's grace and God's mercy... And, and watering the seeds that have already been sown into other people's lives, other family members of other families. God's going to bring people across your families, your family members unsaved, and they're going to sow into your family members' lives. And so it's never a bad time to sow. Whoever you come in contact with. But getting back to this, this has been not a stroll in the park. It's been challenging. But it's what you're going through too. If I ask you, how many of you have had challenges, real challenges, in the last eight months? You know, put up one hand. If you've had a lot of challenges, put up two hands. If you've had even more challenges, put up your foot. And I'm not going to fall down for you, but I'd put up the other foot. And I think we all would. And so in all of this, I've been saying to God, God, you've got to help me understand. I, 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 I know I'm not going to completely understand, but give me something that I can extend my faith in. I can hold on to and grasp and realize this isn't for nothing. How many of you want to know what can happen when you go through really difficult times? And I'm not just talking about it gets bad. I'm talking about the 
bad times, the difficult times, the troubling times can become some of the greatest benefits in your life. And this morning we're going to start to look at this out of Psalm 4, verse 1. This is where, where God had con- began to take me months and months and months ago before this whole thing ever started and continued to help me understand it. It says, hear me when I call. You know, that should be the first thing that happens when we encounter something, something unfamiliar, unwanted, uh, unexpected. The first person we turn to is God. It needs to be God because who can do more for us than God? Who wants to do more for us than God? Both of those answers is no one. No one can do more for you than God can do. No one wants to do more for you than God wants to do for you. So he should be our first turn. And so hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. It says, thou hast enlarged me. When I was in distress, have mercy on me, hear my prayer. Now, the two parts here are God enlarged them in their distress. Now, it doesn't say God distressed them and enlarged them because that, he doesn't have to do that. This world is broken This world is fallen. This world is filled with sin. You don't have to go very far or wait very long until difficult times come. Until things that we don't deserve, we don't desire, we don't expect, and we don't want come into our lives. There was a man who used to come here. I've shared this before, but some of you may may have seen him. Some of you may not. Uh, But his name is Albert Willis. Albert Willis was an amazing man, and God had done just awesome things in his life. And Albert would walk across the front of the the platform, and he would just say, I'm going on and on and on and on. Nothing's going to stop me. But he also would tell us that if you want to have a life that has no challenges, sounds good, doesn't it? No difficulties, no adversity, no opponents or adversaries. There's a way to have it. Put your hand over your heart and pray for God to stop it so you can go home to heaven. Because in this world, you're going to have challenges. The Bible tells us in the Psalms... Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of every one. Every one. That's a promise we need to have every day. We're going to have afflictions. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to have distresses. And this says that in these distresses, what's this word distress mean? Well, it actually means a narrow or tight place, a place that squeezes you. And you may say, well, I've never been squeezed before. What does stress do? Right? Man, it's a pressure that comes to all of our lives, and all of our lives are more pressured than we realize. We've just acclimated to it. we become comfortable with how pressurized our lives are. And that pressure 
can damage us unless when the pressure comes, we rely on God. We turn to God. We trust in God. So this says in the distresses, God enlarged. All right? The distresses are troubled, they're tribulation, they're difficulties, they're hard times, they're unexpected, undesired things. But those things that come to us that way, every day to varying degrees of how difficult they are, how troubling they are, we can be enlarged. And that word enlarged, it means to make broad or large, to grow, develop, or mature. You know, it's like the old saying, whatever comes to you, it can either make you bitter or better. Right? And, and what determines whether we get better through it or bitter through it? Yeah, our attitude, our choice. Nobody can choose for us, but we can choose. We make that choice. How are we going to engage this? What are we going to allow to come from this? And that's where you see two people going through some of the same things. And one has great joy, and the other one is just somebody you don't want to be around. Why? Because of their choice. Because of their focus. Because of the way they're choosing to think about things and approach things and expect, extend their faith. Well, it's so bad, and it'll never get good. Well, if you're believing for it, you're going to find it. And so this is all about telling us that when we call to God in these difficult, troubling times of tribulation, and how many of you know the days we live in, we're approaching the great tribulation, right? The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that there's coming this great tribulation, difficult upon difficult upon difficult times. Now, I personally believe, but it doesn't matter what I believe, because God's going to do what he's going to do, but I have an expectation, and it's selfish. But I've got some scriptures I can line up to say that I believe we're out of here before the tribulation happens. But there are other people that believe something else, and I'm going to tell you something. I can't guarantee what I believe is right. I can prove some scriptures support that, but there are people that have other scriptures. That, but I heard this said, by, I think it was Stuart. And, and he said, well, you know what, I'm a, I'm a pantheist. Pantheist. Sounds kind of secular. What are you talking about? I believe it's all going to pan out. <laughs> and I do. I believe, I believe in God's wisdom he's going to do the best thing. As much as I want to get out of here before it starts. But if it gives us opportunity to see more people in heaven, then... Bring it on. Because it's not about us. It's about God and it's about others. But this growth, this growth, God is all about growth. God planted a garden, right? And he told Adam and Eve to tend it and keep it. And the design was that that garden would continue to grow and spread across the whole earth. It was localized but it was going to grow and continue to increase and flourish because God's a God of growth. And God can bring growth out of the most difficult 
troubling situations if we'll let him. And right now, it's a choice. Wherever we are in whatever situations we find ourselves in, we have to determine what is our perspective, what is our expectation, am I expecting what Romans 8.28 says. That's right. All things work out for good. Woohoo! Right? For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But this is God's design. If we're walking with God, if we're tracking with God, if we're submissive to God, if we're trusting God, if we're expecting God, then he'll work it out for good. But you and I can't tell him how to do it and when to do it. Because his way is best. And so he's going to grow good out of bad if we'll just let him, if we'll be partnering with him so he can have his way. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he told them this. You know, he, he, he was explaining there are difficult things coming. He said, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Tribulation and cheer don't go together, except in God's economy. In God's kingdom, you can have the most difficult times and be so joyfully expectant about what God's going to do that it just outweighs the challenges that you are in the midst of, and that joy, like it says, the joy of the Lord is our strength, it engages us and empowers us and imparts to us the strength to be able to see it through, to see what God is going to do. That's exactly what took Jesus through the Garden of Gethsemane, through the cross, to the resurrection. And you and I have to walk through our own gardens of Gethsemane, go to our own cross. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciples, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and then follow me. Those first two things do not satisfy our flesh. We're told we have to crucify the flesh. And right now, God is getting the flesh out, trying to get the flesh out of our lives, our, our catering to the flesh, our giving into the flesh, our, our natural desires and wants and cravings and, and ways of looking at things and doing things. Because if we don't turn away from that, we cannot turn to God because we can't serve two masters. Remember, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for the church, not this building, you. But what's the church's condition that he's coming back for without spot or wrinkle? A glorious, victorious church. That means there's a lot of change that has to go on in my life and I believe all of our lives. And we have to put away the old things and put on the new things. And begin to approach life in this fallen world, this broken world, realizing 
Man, bad things are going to come. Difficult things are going to come. But God's given you the victory and he's going to work it all out for good. That in the midst of that troubling, difficult tribulation, you're going to grow stronger and better. And in that, we don't have to fear. If you wanted to grow strong in just naturally thinking, physiologically, what would you do? I mean, there are a variety of things. There's unlimited things you could say. But are you going to be active or passive? Are you going to be intentional or just que sera, sera, go with the flow? Yeah, you're going to be intentional, you're going to be active. Likelihood is you're going to go to the gym or you're going to get a treadmill or you're going to go out walking. You're going to do something. And how many of you know if you haven't been to the gym, you haven't been on the treadmill, you haven't done all this stuff, that, and when you start, what is the result? Pain. You know, Debbie's not here. She'll be here in the next service, but... Debbie's motto had been, no pain, no pain. And I've always argued with her and said, no, 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 no. No pain, no pain, that's just loss. No pain, no gain. You're going to have to go through something to get what's there. And it's not going through without an expectation you know, Jeremy uh, shared with us last week, and it was a great message. But Jeremy also has been a coach. He is, has played athletics at very high levels. He's been an Ironman. He now coaches triathletes. And one of the things that he knows and he does is he sees this is what we want. This is, this is good. This is where we are What's it going to take for us to get from here to there? It's going to take a lot of effort, discipline, pain, denial for the goal. You got to deny yourself. You can't and I can't give in to all the things my flesh wants and expect it to work out good. Because if you sow to the flesh, the Bible says you reap destruction. But if you sow to the Spirit, you reap everlasting life. And right here he says, I want you to have peace. But in this world, you're going to have tribulation. That's not a promise you're going to find in your promise box. I'm not going to pull out today. Jesus promised you to have tribulation. Woohoo! But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And the, the truth is, he's overcome the world. And if he has overcome the world, he will lead you in overcoming. That you would overcome in all things through Christ. Through Christ. And in that, as you overcome, you're going to begin to attract attention. People are going to start to look at you and say, how did you do that? Man, I'm in the same situation, but it's not going anywhere near what yours is. Even with this, with my back, the progress that, that your prayers, the work of the doctor, God on top of all of that has made, there are people that are saying, 
who did your surgery? Why? Well, I know somebody who's got some back problems, and I'm going to have them call your surgeon. You know, they want what you want when they see what God can do. They don't want to hear about it. They want to see it. And they need to see it. That's why we're to be witnesses, not to do witnessing. When we are a witness for God, when people are seeing God at work in our lives and he is taking these difficult situations and growing us through it, that we're not coming out bitter and, 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 and worse than we were. We're coming out better, stronger, more full of joy, more full of peace, more full of hope, more confident that no matter what comes down the road, it's not going to matter because the God that, that we trust is still the same and what he did, he can do. But we got to grow. Growth is something that is, if something grows, it takes effort, right? It takes energy. It takes resources and nutrients and things like that. And if something grows, there is evidence, right? If something's healthy, it grows. But it's got to receive the right nutrients, the right things. Because you can't, you can't grow into a world-class athlete by eating donuts on the couch. Right? Not only do you have to do what Jeremy teaches and trains his triathletes to do and, and his teams to do, but you have to nourish yourself the right way. We can't eat junk food. We can't dine on the stuff the world is, is serving up and be healthy and strong. We've got to go to the Word. We've got to dine and, and, and feed on the Word of God. Feed on the faithfulness of God. 1 Peter 2.2 says this. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. You know, I've been, been around babies. I was at a birthday party for a one-year-old yesterday. And even though that's not a baby baby, do you know what? Somebody had to provide nourishment for that child. And they gave this little sippy cup. But the child had to pick it up. The child had to drink it. How many of you know you can drink all the milk you want for your child and it's not going to help them? You can't do it for another person. Every person has to do that for themselves. We try and serve up. And, and you, you, we, we all, because I have been partaker of this too, for the last five weeks, we have had amazing meals in this place. You know, it's, it's, been, it's been awesome, and I am so grateful. But if you weren't here, you didn't get it. And if you were here but not present, you didn't get it. And what I mean is if you sit here and you just kind of let it go by, you miss what God has. 
Of all the things we desire in this world, we should desire more of God than anything else. Because as we get more of God, we receive more of God, we become more aware, we become more connected, we become more trusting, we become more reliant, we become more quickly recognizing God. Our lives begin to change and we begin to grow and we begin to develop and mature, become stronger, become more secure and settled, become more filled with peace. Because we're more confident of God, which overcomes anything that faces us because the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But it's one thing to say it and another thing to believe it. And when we believe it, it's because we've grown to embrace it and make it our own and trust in what God's word says. And then there's an outward evidence. All of this is supposed to be working from the inside out. So the people around us say, man, you still look the same, but you're not the same. What happened to you? And just like the disciples they were unlearned men, but they had been with Jesus. It's, it's nice to have a lot of different things, but if you have Jesus, you got it all. And I'm going to end with this. In 2 Peter, well, two more scriptures, and then we'll end. In 2 Peter 3.18, it says, Grow. Again, grow. God wants us to grow. We need to grow. We shouldn't stay in that baby stage. We've got to grow by, by desiring the sincere milk of the word of God. That's the scriptures. And this is, tells us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growing. It's effort. It's It's energy. It's focus, it's intention. But it's a pivot from what we've grown towards to now growing towards and in God. And finally, in Ephesians 4.15, it says, but speaking the truth in love, you may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. I don't know about you, but I know that I need to grow. Have I grown? Yeah, I've grown. I'm not the person I used to be, but I'm not the person I'm going to be yet. And God loves me and loves you and loves all of us just where we are, but God loves us too much to leave us there. Because God knows the potential in you. God knows the plans he has for you. God knows that what he has planned for you is not even on your radar. It's so good. And the enemy wants to rob you, and in robbing you, rob your families, rob your friends, rob your neighbors, rob your co-workers, rob this world of the good God has for all of them that's supposed to come to you and through you. But as we trust in God, as we don't live a life of avoidance, 
You know, a lot of Christians do. They live this life of avoidance. I don't, I don't want anything hard. I don't want anything difficult. I don't want anything to trouble me. And so they keep walking through life backwards. Why? Because they're looking out there to make sure they don't get caught by what they don't want. And they keep walking through life backwards. Oh, are they moving? Yeah, they're moving. Are they making progress? Well, it may seem like they're making progress. But they're walking through life backwards until. They hit a wall. And we're all going to hit walls. And once you hit a wall, you're fighting for your life. But with God, you don't ever hit walls. You may hit a wall, but you'll always go through it. He's the God that breaks you through and brings you through. These hard things, you'll be better through them, trusting God. You'll never be afraid again of what you're going to face because you know who God is and what he'll do. And we're going to look at this. We're going to look at, at growing because sometimes we think as Christians, well, you know, I'm saved. I go to church, but not growing in, in desiring the milk of God's word, not growing in the meat of God's word, not growing to bear fruit. And I'm telling you right now, God's into fruit. I don't know if he's a vegetarian, but God's into fruit. He wants fruit. And we should want fruit because the Bible tells us we'll know people by what? their fruit. It's an evidence of who they are. They grow it out of who they are. And we're going to look into this. But I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know where anybody is with God. And I know where we all need to be with God. We need to be growing closer and closer. And if we haven't even started to connect with God, that needs to be the, the initial move. That we recognize God is there and God cares and God has done so much and given so much so that our lives can be different than what they've been because we're no longer living it for us and alone. We're living it for God and with God. If you're here today and you have never turned to Christ and trusted in him, that's the first step to make. Because you can't expect anything different in your life than what you've gotten unless you make a real change. And the real change, the greatest change in any human being's life is to turn to Christ and repent. Turn back to him, turn your life over to him, receive the forgiveness he has for your sin and connect in communion and communication and collaboration with God. If you're here and you've never, never turned to trust in Christ, had your sins cleansed, have become a new creation in Christ, then today I want to pray with you. And if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to lift your hand. Because there's got to be a part that you do. You have to acknowledge, I need this. I need to do this. Then I trust 
and maybe I shouldn't, but I trust everyone here has done that. And part of the reason that I ask that you lift your hand is the Bible says if we will not, if we will deny him before people, he'll deny us before the Father. You can't be afraid of what people think and be able to walk in the fullness of what God has. For each one of you that have trusted in Christ, you've, you've received him as your Lord. You know, it's a constant adjusting to make sure his lordship is, is what it's supposed to be. And I want to pray for you right now. If you have been struggling, you've been going through some really difficult battles, troubling times. I want to pray that there would be a new reference point for you. That you would recognize that the trouble is going to be something that if you will trust God, if you'll track with God, if you'll believe God and let God have his way, that these troubles will cause you to grow, to develop, to mature, to become better than ever before, stronger, more secure, more confident than ever before. If that's you, I just want you to, and I'm not even looking, it doesn't matter, and nobody else look around. If that's you, you just lift your hand to God and say, that's, that's me, that's what I want. And Father, right now, I pray for every person here, especially those who... We've raised our hands and we acknowledge that we've struggled. And uh, Father, help us. Help us to make the adjustment from focusing on our struggles, on our troubles, on our difficulties, on our desires. Help us to focus on you. Because with you, all things are possible. And that, Father, we now recognize that in the midst of this that's going on, we can expect to grow as we give ourselves to you, as we draw near to you, as we rely more completely on you, as we yield more fully to you. Father, that we will <laughs> we'll be enlarged. We'll develop like never before. People will see a change in our lives because we will be changing going from glory to glory. And Father, help us. Help us to adjust our ways of living to not be similar to what the world does. Help us to be absolutely uniquely yours, where we as David don't fear the giants. We run to the giants. We proclaim our God is able. As Caleb, who said giants, those giants in the land, they're our bread, they're our nourishment. Father, that we wouldn't get cocky, but we would get confident. Confident in you and what you can do. Because you do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that's at work in us. And we thank you for the good work that you've begun, that you're faithful to complete. Because you are at work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. We thank you, Father, for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Would you stand?